0: I have a friend that doesn't like to see any pictures of Jesus. And I can't get him to watch any Jesus movies because he says, when I pray and when I think about Jesus, I don't want to see that actor. I don't want to see that picture. I want to try to keep, and I'm like, okay, I respect that. So we went to see The Chosen this Thursday night. Was that when it was in the movie theater? Three and a half hours long, chosen marathon, and um, so today, as I'm teaching on the twelve apostles, I'm totally distracted because I'm totally picturing all those guys in that show, and it's fun. I don't have anything bad to say about it. It's a good. I highly recommend it. Uh, book that I'm using a lot. Here's a little book advertisement. This is The Harmony of the Gospels by A.T. Robertson. And you can kind of see, he's got like columns. And this guy, I don't know when, a long, long time ago, before computers, he went through the four Gospels and he lined up what happens in each one and when they all happened and tried to put them all in the right order. So whenever you get the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark, and the feeding of the 4,000 in John, were those the same event? Were they different? And he kind of, it's called the harmony of the Gospels. It's how all the Gospels fit together. And that's what I'm using a lot of as I'm going through all the people that Jesus talked to for the next whatever. The groundhog, the groundhog saw his shadow, so that means six more weeks of this sermon series. So... Um, but the apostles, their description is different in all four Gospels. The description of where they came from, the description of how they came to be, the description of, of who they were. Who they were is, is consistent, but some Gospels give you more details than other Gospels. Okay. So when did the apostles come on the scene? Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist. He got baptized. He came out of the water. The Holy Spirit comes down on him like a dove. The Father says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit takes Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. He's tempted for 40 days. And then, after that, the angels minister to him. We don't know what that means. That's just what it says. It didn't happen during the 40 days. So his 40 days of of fasting and temptation end, the angels minister to him, and Jesus comes back into civilization. And all of that happens unmentioned between verses in John chapter 1. So it's really fun to try to read the Gospels together. You can you could get uh, Harmony of the Gospels by by Robertson. You can also get, I know, on the Uversion Bible app, they have a reading plan that's a chronological Bible, and they arrange everything, all the readings, in the order that they happen. So some days you might read the reading of the 4,000, the reading of the 5,000, the reading of the 7,000, you're like, I'm reading the same thing over and over. Well, no you're reading Luke's version, you're reading John's version, you're reading Mark's version. So if you're reading that, you would read through a little bit of John and then all of a sudden it would jump over to Luke and Jesus would go get tempted in the wilderness. He'd be ministered to by angels, he would come back and you would come right back in to John chapter 1 verse 28. So John the Baptist is getting quizzed by the Pharisees. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. This is John the Baptist, sees Jesus coming toward him. Jesus has been gone for 40 some odd days. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he. Guys, that's him. Of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this person purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself didn't know him, but he who sent me. He's saying all this stuff. Who's he saying it to? He has disciples. So, John the Baptist, remember there's all kinds of people coming from the city. They're all coming out to get baptized by John. Once they get baptized, a lot of them don't just go home and, you know, go back to their life. A lot of them are staying out there listening to him teach every day. And a lot of them just heard him point out a dude and say, That guy. So the next day, After that, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said it again Look, you guys, the Lamb of God. He's saying this because Jesus has been gone for 40 some odd days. It's not like Jesus came, he said, You know, I need to be baptized by you. John's like, Dude, you're my cousin. You should be baptizing me, because I know I know about you. Jesus says, no, this needs to happen to fulfill all righteousness. He baptizes him, and he doesn't see him again. Where would he go? <gasps> now he's back. Look, he's the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. They went after him. Jesus turned and saw them following, and they said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. All right, here's something that we don't get, because we're in southern Indiana in 2024. (laughs) Right? If you've ever been to a high school graduation... And you've seen all the people take their hats and their tassels and they move them over. You know what that means, right? It's like you wear it on this side, but now you're graduated and it goes to this side. So imagine if 2,000 years from now, you're reading an account. And it says all the people stood up and they took the tassel and they moved it from one side of their hat to the other and celebrated. You'd be like... What is going on here? So, in Jesus' day, a couple hundred years before it, several hundred years after it, here's how it works. You're a kid and you're born. If you're born a girl, good job. Way to go. I hope you have a whole bunch of kids, whatever. That's kind of your path. There it is. If you're a boy, you got a couple different paths. So we're going to stick you in the school early on and you're going to start memorizing. And you're not going to memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You're going to memorize in the beginning God created the heavens of the earth. The earth was formless and void. You're going to memorize the first five books of the Bible. So that your teacher can say, but no one was found suitable for him. Name a phrase and you can finish the sentence and keep going and know right where it is. I think I tell this story all the time. When I first heard that, I thought that is the craziest thing ever. How can little kids memorize all of that? And I worked at the Shoe Carnival. And I was the mic man at the Shoe Carnival. And my job was to talk whenever a record in the jukebox stopped. Because you can't have any silence at the Shoe Carnival. It can't ever be quiet because when it gets quiet, people decide to not buy shoes. So, just full disclosure, that's in the training video. You can never have silence at the shoe carnival. So the song would end, and I would have to pick up that mic and say, that's right, shoppers, come on down, pick it up, check it out, I'm getting the deal, and say all that stuff to fill that noise while the jukebox went, and put that next record in and started it, and then it would play, check it out, I'm marking them down. And then I'd stop. And I had two and a half minutes to do whatever else, because every song was two and a half minutes long, and then I have to do it again. I memorized every song in that jukebox. I knew them in order. I knew when the Beatles would come on. I knew when Blackwater would play. I mean, the whole thing. And I read that Young Jewish boys had to memorize the first five books of the Bible, and I realized that's possible. That was their only school. You want to learn history? Your history is in the first five books of the Bible. Right? You want to learn the law? The law is the first. So that's all they would do. Learn it, learn it, learn it, learn it. By the time you're 13, and then when you're 13, (gasps) now is the test. And you might get to go on to rabbi school. You might get to go to the next level. And the next level, you memorize Joshua, Judges, Ruth all the way through until you're about 20. So you've got your first age five or six to 13 to memorize the first five books. And you've got 13 to late teens to memorize everything else. But if you don't go on to that school, then you just go back and you find your dad, and your dad teaches you how to be a carpenter, or a fisher, or a tax collector. Whatever your dad's job is, you learn that job. If your dad, if a big old rock fell on his head, and he's not around anymore, you go find one of your uncles, you go find a neighbor guy, And he teaches you how to do that job. But if you get to be in your late teens and you've got it all memorized and you've got the Psalms and you've got the prophets and you've got everything, rabbis are going to come by the rabbi school and check you out. And they're going to listen. They're going to talk to each other. And they might come right up to you one day and say, follow me. And when they say, follow me, you just got accepted into a lifetime of rabbi school. You just got invited to follow that rabbi for the rest of your life. And he is going to copy himself onto you because some other rabbi copied himself onto him and some other rabbi copied himself onto him all the way back to Moses so the idea is we are copying Moses carbon copy of Moses carbon copy of Moses so when you're at rabbi school it might not happen at rabbi school it might be while you're walking home from rabbi school it might be happen during a celebration or a party it might happen during passover and a rabbi comes up and taps you and says follow me you just got accepted into yale You might have just got accepted into like Oakland City, depending on the rabbi. But you just got accepted in, and now you're going to live in his house. You're going to wash his dishes. You're going to uh, be around while he's cooking food. You're going to learn everything he does and mimic him exactly to be exactly like him. Because someday he's going to die, and guess what you'll have to do? you will have to go into the rabbi school and find some young men and tell them, follow me. And you will teach them just like your rabbi taught you. So let's say you're getting to be like 20 and no rabbi has picked you yet. And all your buddies have rabbis and you don't have one. You might go out and you'll be at the market and you'll be around and you'll see a rabbi. You're like, oh, come on. I want this guy to be my rabbi. And you go up to him, and guess what you say? Rabbi, where do you live? Where are you staying? And at that moment, that rabbi has a choice because he's the one that's in control. And he can say, oh, I just live, you know, over on the west side. Oh, I live downtown. And it's a way to... Everybody saves face and nobody's embarrassed, but he didn't tell you where he lives because you're not going to his rabbi school. But if he says, come and see, you just got let in. You just got accepted to that rabbi's school. And now you're going to go live with him. You're going to go live in his house and do everything the way he does it. So you got these two disciples of John. And John says, that's him. That's the Messiah. That's the Lamb of God. And they go and they say, Rabbi. And he doesn't say, oh, whoa, easy, Tiger. I am not a rabbi. He says, yeah. They say, where are you staying? He says, come and see. These guys were not in rabbi school. If they were in rabbi school, they wouldn't have been out listening to John the Baptist. And when Jesus says, come and see, he's saying, you can be my disciples. You can be my students. You can learn from me. Gosh, I'm teary today. Come and you will see. So they stayed there the whole day. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Oh, <laughs> So he goes and finds his brother, Simon, and he says, we found him, dude. We found the Messiah. Every every Jewish person that was with it was longing for the Messiah, was needing the Messiah. He hears it. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, the son of John. You'll be called Cephas, Cephas. Which means Peter. So that's from the Gospel of John. John was a little flowery storyteller. When he tells a story, he just puts in the details that he wants, and sometimes he time travels and he mixes things up. Because if you've read other Gospels, you might think, I don't remember that being how Peter, how Jesus followed Peter. And this is just some of the great stuff about reading all of the Gospels together. The disciples were all really, really different characters. And just like we're different, just like in one family, you can have children that are all different. When we retell a story, we retell different parts, right? Have you been on this? You come, I mean, even you guys telling the story about the the smoke and the, a hotel and all that. When you're together and you're telling a story, somebody else chimes in. Oh, yeah, and don't forget to tell them about this. And you're like, that doesn't, even, that doesn't have to do with anything. That person, that was really important. To the person that's telling the story over here, that was just a detail. The point is, blah, blah, blah. That's how the gospel writers are is they have different details. They have different things they're excited about. They have different things they want to convey. So in John, there's a whole group of disciples that come. Two from John the Baptist. One of them is Peter's brother. He goes and gets Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go into Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Right? Follow me. That's the code word. Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel. He said to him, we found him of Moses and the law prophesies about. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Nathanael says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip says, come and see. Philip comes. And they just get added and added and added. Let's go to Luke 5. Cuz Luke 5 Luke was not around for any of this. So John writes the story. After he knows Matthew, Mark and Luke have already been written and are in circulation. He knows that those are letters or stories that people can read. So when John retells the story, he's just assuming you've already watched the sequel. So he's not going to or the prequel and he's not going to explain it all. Luke, on the other hand, says in Luke chapter 1, I think verse 1, I want to write a a real account of everything that happens. You're going to get a whole lot of details from Luke. So if we start in Luke 5, there's this fun thing that happens. The, um, The wedding banquet, you know, when Jesus turns the water into wine, And it says this was Jesus' first miracle. So then you're thinking, oh, yeah, that was his first miracle. In Luke, there are other miracles that happened before the wedding. Because John gets excited and he's telling you about all these different things and he's telling you about them not in the right order. Because he's just remembering everything and telling it all as, as it was. Luke... For there are miracles that happen. And the people that are there are the disciples. And it says his disciples were there at the wedding at Cana. His, Jesus went to the wedding and his disciples were there. But in Luke 5, one occasion the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake. He saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. This is the detailed story of Peter. Jesus goes and he gets in the boat and he says, Hey, can you put your boat out a little bit so I can talk to all these people? Peter takes him out in the boat. There are some people that think that Jesus already knew Peter when this happened. This was not Peter's first meeting. Simon. Simon Peter, right? Same guy. This was not. Some people say, and, and there's some there's some evidence that points that way. It's believable that this wasn't the first time Jesus met Peter. Put your boat out a little bit. Jesus preaches, Peter listens to it all day. At the end of the day, Jesus says, "Put your nets out." He puts his nets out. They catch so many fish they have to holler to James and John. James and John, we know who they are, but they didn't know who they were yet, right? But they had been listening all day. They come and help. They bring in all these fish. Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Peter's reaction is, get away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Because he's seen the power of this prophet and what he's doing. And when Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of men, the fact that Peter is a fisherman and not in rabbi school means that he was not picked to be a rabbi. He flunked out of rabbi school. It could be because he couldn't memorize everything. It could be because nobody wanted him to be their disciple. Since he's a fisherman and his dad isn't around, and there's, you know, James and John, it mentions Zebedee, their dad is around. So they're probably still younger and learning. Peter's probably older and on his own. But all of these guys have flunked out of rabbi school and were not wanted by their rabbis by the rabbis that would have taught them. And Jesus says, "Follow me. I want to be your rabbi. You guys are not kicked out. I want you guys." Then it's much later that he gets the name Peter. But that day he's Simon, he's Simon for a long time. So you got Simon and his brother Andrew, you got James and John who are also brothers that fish alongside. You've got Philip, who's from the same city, and he joins in with them. Thomas, he gets mentioned a couple times. Thomas is the guy that when they all know all the Pharisees want to kill him, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to die. And Jesus says, we have to go to Jerusalem. Thomas is the one that says, let's go with him so we can die with him. Thomas is... I, I, I'm not going anywhere else. I'm going wherever Jesus is going. Thomas gets a bad rap at the end because we call him Doubting Thomas because Jesus appeared physically and visually to all of the apostles and a whole bunch of disciples, and he wasn't there. And so when he says, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it, he's not asking for anything more than what everybody else already got. He's not not a doubter anybody any any more than anybody else would be if they weren't there. Poor Thomas. Matthew, we gotta say some stuff about Matthew. Because Matthew is his Greek name. The Greeks, the Ugh. But his given name was Levi, which means he could have been in the priestly line. Now, we don't know um, at what point he became a tax collector and, and crossed over. Being a tax collector was a really expensive job. It was like buying a franchise. So when we were in Central Asia, there was one rich Russian dude that had all the rights to McDonald's trademark throughout all of the stands. He was the only guy that could build a McDonald's in Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, any of that. So if you wanted to open a McDonald's, you would have to talk to him. Being a tax collector was similar. You would pay a ton of money or inherit it, and you would have a section. And that area was the area that you had to pay taxes for. And so you would go to everybody and collect their taxes and pay it to your boss. And you probably collect a little bit more than you're supposed to, and that's how you made a living, was with the extra. So you think he'd probably be pretty hated, right? Because he's funding Rome. He's taking money from all y'all, and he should be a priest. And he gave that up to feed Rome all of our money. Oh! James, Jude, you don't hear a lot about those guys. Simon the Zealot. Okay, Simon the Zealot. He is like our, uh, if you have any Second Amendment friends. So there were swords that were illegal, that were big swords, that were for chopping heads off swords. And all the Zealots carried those. (laughs) And their threat was, if you want it, come and take it. (laughs) Right? And they would chop your head off. They were hoping to bring about a rebellion like Judas Maccabees, like the zealot on Palm Sunday, the zealots would have been really, really happy because all those palm branches were symbols of Judas Maccabees and the revolt and the swords and fighting. You've got Simon the Zealot who really wants to chop off every Roman's head, and he's got the sword to do it right here. You want me to show it to you? I got it. It's right here. I got four of them. And he's a disciple alongside Matthew who should be called Levi. What? This is the exact person whose head he wants to chop off. Then you've got Judas Iscariot who isn't mentioned very much. But what we do know about him is how he fulfilled prophecies. That he was a really, really close, good friend of Jesus's that they sat so close together that they could whisper to each other at the Passover table and other people wouldn't hear what they said. And it's not like they had a, like a violin quartet blaring in the background or restaurant noise. They're just sitting around this close little table and he could talk to Judas and other people wouldn't even know. That's how close he was. And it had to be that close so it would be that much of a betrayal. Then there's Matthias. Matthias we hear very, very, very little about because he is the gambling apostle. He was appointed by a casting of lots and a rolling of dice or drawing straws after Judas Iscariot died, after Jesus rose from the dead and before the day of Pentecost. We don't ever hear anything about Matthias. There's a whole bunch of people that say they shouldn't have even picked an apostle that way and he shouldn't even be called an apostle. But the apostles thought that it was so important that they have 12 of them that they better hurry up and pick somebody. And so they hurried up after Judas died and they chose Matthias because he was around from the beginning. And then a couple years later, He would say, it's like one untimely born. Like born at a time that you shouldn't have been born. Like like John the Baptist was born to Elizabeth. She was way too old. She shouldn't have been having kids. This other apostle comes and he's Paul. And he has a vision of Jesus and he sees Jesus face to face. He spends a couple days blind. He spends 14 years in exile, praying, praying, And learning from Jesus, and he comes back, and he is an apostle. And he calls himself an apostle over and over again, even though he was never a disciple. All right, so what's the difference? A disciple is somebody who follows. When Jesus said, follow me, when they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Those guys became disciples. Joanna, Mary, Martha, they were disciples because they were learning from Jesus. But an apostle means one who is sent out with a message. Caesar had apostles, the Roman kingdom had apostles. And so when he calls the 12 to them, Jesus spends a whole night out praying all alone. He comes back and he names his 12 apostles. There's dozens and dozens of disciples, and he calls 12 to be with him and to learn from him all the time. So what happens to the apostles? Every one of them, except for one, by a church tradition, died as a martyr. Some of them died more gruesome than others. The story of Thomas is that he was keel hauled. So they tie a rope onto you and they throw you off the front of a boat and then they run the boat over you. And then they pull you back up the front of the boat and then they run the boat over you and then they pull you back up the front of the boat and they run the boat over you until they don't pull you back up. Um, James was thrown off of the top of the temple and hit on the pavement and lived and got up and they heard him saying, please forgive them, Lord. Boom. And then they beat him to death with sticks. All of these guys died terrible martyrdom deaths, except for John. John lived out his days. He went into exile at one point. While he's in exile, he has the vision that's the whole book of Revelation. Then he got out of exile and went back to his hometown and died of old age. Pretty wild. But then they all show up again in Revelation 21. And it's like a big reunion. And it's like a big party. And everyone is worshiping God and kneeling down at His throne and bowing down to Him. And the twelve of Apostles are there, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, 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 wait. Is it Judas? Who's the twelfth? Is it Matthias, who was elected by casting lots? Is it Judas, because he was really trying to help Jesus? Is it Paul? We don't know. We We really don't. There's not a lot of evidence leaning towards who it is. But there's 12 of them, and they have crowns on, and they take their crowns on, and they bow down and they lay their crowns down in front of Jesus and in front of his throne. And then this other weird business, Revelation 21.14. He's talking about this whole city. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the land. So these guys get memorialized If that's even the right word, right? kind of feels weird that anybody would be memorialized in heaven. But these were the first 12 people to follow Jesus. When nobody else had, they had no example to follow except for Jesus. And they followed him. And their names get written on the foundation of the temple in heaven. So, I get a whole lot of hope out of this because these dudes were Bible college dropouts. No, some of them were high school dropouts. Some of them were just angry. Some of them were political sellouts and traitors and um, treasonous. You know, Matthew, you would just, you would not want to touch anything that Matthew touched. You would, you would. You would hate him. He's worse than the IRS. He's like, yeah, I can't even describe. Just bad. And Jesus gets all these guys together when they're all in their late teens to early 20s. Peter is mentioned. He's old enough that he's already married. But a lot of the other guys, there's no mention of their their wives. And with them... Kicks off Pentecost and kicks off the church, and they were his apostles. They went. There's historical records and church traditions of Thomas going to China, of um, yeah, of all of them. You could look up a map online. Say where did all the apostles go, and it will show all the places they would go. Last thing I got to say. Okay, so what about apostles today? There's all kinds of fight and argument. There'll be a billboard, Apostle Dan Sullivan speaking on Thursday. And I have buddies and they're like, oh, he's a heretic because he calls himself an apostle. And there's only 12 apostles. And I don't think this is worth fighting about. But just so you know, there's a whole group of people that think you can only be an apostle if you saw Jesus. There's 12 apostles, period, There are no more apostles, and there won't be any more, and that's fine. The word means people that are sent, and so when Paul talks about preachers, prophets, apostles, apostles, prophets, teachers, shepherds, when he lists these different things, sometimes there are other things that Paul does where he's commissioning more people to be apostles, and to go be apostles that weren't part of the first twelve. And it's a more loose definition that these are people that are sent with a message. Either way, we can be disciples, and we can follow Jesus, and we can make following Jesus and learning how He lives and following after Him as close as we can and staying with Him all day and talking with Him into the night, we can do that and then we can let him call whoever he wants as an apostle it's on us to try to be a disciple so let's pray lord thank you so much for your invitation that you invite each one of us to to follow you that you would be our rabbi that you would be our savior that you would be our teacher that you with the holy spirit would be our counselor that you, you would just be such such a perfect God to us. And Lord, help us to be your disciples. Help us to follow you with all of our might and to leave behind all the other things that we could follow and all the other hills that we could die on that we would just seek after you, even, even if it's uh, to martyrdom or even if it's to exile or even if it's to peaceful old age writing letters and testifying to how much you love us. We exalt you, we honor you, and we praise you, Lord. Amen.